Welcome to the Dirt Bike Radio Podcast. My name is Jeremy and this is it. Episode 4, series finale with Jeff Ballard. So, so grateful to spend that time with him to really sit down and get so much info and stories from the great man. This one was an awesome chat because we got to ask questions from the fans, from people around us who had all these awesome questions that they wanted to ask the great man and he kind of sat down. I think we're going to start off with four questions and end up to another hour episode. So you can imagine this one... uh, this one has a lot a lot of depth. Thank you so much for staying along with us and sharing it. It's been cool to see the episode get so much traction, so much love and comments. Make sure you do share all our episodes, especially now. The Australians are overdoing the sixth day and they need all the support they get. So make sure you go over there and follow the actual writers. Uh, there's a whole list up on the pages. Uh, follow us. We can show you which way to go uh, and who to see because there's going to be so much action. With Jeff Ballard's huge history in the six days, it's more important than ever to make sure you go follow all the writers of the Australian team uh, and see how they're doing. Plus, it's all the New Zealand team. You know, got to rep them, give them some love. So go, go follow the Australian New Zealand six-day team. Uh, and best of luck to everyone over there. Massive thanks again to the supporters of this podcast. We couldn't do it without you. Grassroots Hard Enduro, B&B Off-Road, Goat Mountain Extreme, Whole Shot Graphics, On Point Motor Suspension, Acherby's Australia, Global Racing Oil, and Adventure On Store. Thank you so much. Uh, massive shout out at the moment to Acherby's. Uh, their plastic stuff has been super cool. Uh, go check out a, currently their helmet range because oh, I can't stop raving about the helmet. I've got the Carbedo or whatever it is it's it's awesome go check it out it's a helmet that uh, I'm definitely going to buy another one for because I've had a few head knocks now but uh, definitely one for everyone to go check out so go check out the Cherby's helmet is absolutely awesome massive thanks to Jeff Ballard we love you super stoked that you're on our podcast and uh, thanks for having us walk around your home shed uh, in awe I apologize for spending a long time in your toilet looking at your tro- <laughs> trophies wasn't weird at all uh, but um, until next time Keep riding and roost your mates. Cheers. Welcome to the Dirt Bike Burrito Podcast. Each episode, the crew will be talking with riders, organisers and supports in the off-road motorcycle scene. From desert racing and hard enduro to flat track and trials, a little bit of everything rolled into one. A Dirt Bike Burrito. Follow us and stay up to date with upcoming guests on our social media pages and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, just a heads up, these boys and girls are passionate about what they do. Some bad words could jump out throughout the episode. So sit back in your car or crank your workout to the next level and enjoy. Go. We're ready to go. Go, Alex, go. <laughs> Fourth instalment with Jeff Ballard. I know, it's been a long... It's been a long day. It's been a long... I'm surprised we've, been... we've all got voice... What? I'm surprised you guys still have voice there at all, Jeff. Yeah, I can rave on a bit. <laughs> no, it's yeah. been, been magic. We've, oh, had, we've had lunch, we've had a break. Just looking at the view. <laughs> I've been trying to. I've been contemplating if I should go have a shower in your in your outdoor yeah, shower. You mate, can looks, do that. Oh, yeah. it looks absolutely awesome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Any excuse just to stand on this big old patio, just like full naked That'd, of the day. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> and Maury in the view, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Cop <laughs> this. Cop this wind of view. Come on, stop raving on. Come <laughs> on, Alex. What do you got? Come yeah, on. come on, Alex. What do you got? Questions. <clears throat> yeah, Alex. We, we got uh, questions. We got lots. <clears throat> We got we, we reached out to a whole bunch of people um, for questions. Yep, and uh, it was amazing. How Only four. I can handle four. Only four questions because that'll be an hour. Oh, four questions as in. Yeah, no, four questions will be an hour. Okay. Um, okay, this one came in um, once again. It's uh, another one. Everybody we asked, they all come back to how much they love you. So the uh, the other they they kind of this one is. Did you ever consider Dakar, or is there any opportunity to venture in that direction? 
No, I didn't, no. So I was never really a desert guy. I have done the Fink once and I have done a few things out there, but it was not really me. And, you know, being an enduro guy, it's it's funny how it sort of morphed into that. Anyone who was an enduro guy, they went, hey, you should be also doing this and that. And I have done had it. But, you know, it became a thing, even with a team owner like AJ, mm. he, you know, became like, yeah, we need to do desert, you know. And it makes sense because Australia's got plenty of it. But, but no, I, um, you know, it, to me it was foreign. It was like everything I do is slow speed i guess even though we you know we're going as fast as we possibly yeah. can dodging trees it's a <coughs> difference in top speed and <clears throat> you know that's how i that's where i learned that's where everything i knew to going out in the desert and trying to learn that relationship of that speed to breaking points and and you know just i don't know the danger i suppose in some ways i was just going i didn't really see it being that good you yeah. know so you know and i don't know it, i know it, it works for a lot of people to do that but for mm. me i just went no no i'm i'm more of the enduro guy and how about that was it more like your um roof of africa style event did you ever contemplate look at those sorts uh, of things? or even Erzberg, as you as you know someone who's done it yeah but by the time Erzberg came out I had no cruciate ligament left and I was thinking, <laughs> no, I don't want to I don't want to do that, you know. To me it was not not like I've wrapped myself up in cotton wool, but I just went, you know, I managed to go, you know, I've had my competition license as I said before for 50 years mm. and I've really you know, I've I've raced every year for yeah. 50 years and and I've managed to really not have many injuries, you yeah. know. So, I, you know, I just like doing what I was doing yeah and uh and i didn't really feel like i needed to extend into that and the other thing that you know i love dakar i love watching it and and i'm into it but it's like the six day is like as much as i can get my brain around in in um getting ready for an event like it's a big enough event mm. you go okay big event you got to prep a bike, maybe ship it over there, get it. You got to do all these things. You got to walk all these tests or whatever. You know, you put a lot of thought and everything into it and expense, you know. And then to get there and go, yeah, I'll just go to that practice track and just just test this gearing for the last time. And then you go and and you you know you hurt your knee or something. The disappointment of what you've done to then going. How my, how's my brain going to cope yeah. with this disappointment, you yeah. know? And the effort I've put in and the yeah. effort you put in to the sixth day is nothing like the time and the money and, yeah. you know, obviously for the good guys we got now in Elite, it's all it's still a massive effort. That's probably all they think about yeah. all year, you know, but um, someone else is at least paying the finances and mm. stuff. But it's such a massive... I know a lot of people who have that... Not a lot. I know people who have wanted to tick it off as a their bucket list thing you know and they're good riders but they're not they're not that elite level but they've just gone i want to do it and it costs so much oh, and yeah. they and they yeah. put so much into it and then <coughs> to imagine that on the first day you get stuck or you blow the bike up you just go oh my god yep. how, do you, how do you actually absorb that and yeah. cope with that you know yeah. so it's funny like the six days being the biggest thing i've ever kind of put my head around doing and and it's I can cope, you know. I can go that yeah, I go out in the first day and the bike blew up or doesn't really happen or it hasn't happened. Right. But um, I have DNF'd them, that's for sure. But 
Um, yeah, I think it was a bit like that. I just go, oh, my God, you see the lead up and you see the expense and the, mm. and the efforts and the teams and they've been training all year and you go, this is all for one event. Yeah, like, yeah. It seems it's, a, it's hard for me to see that and want to do it, well, you know. Well, fair enough. Were you going to say something? <coughs> no, what I was just going to say, in, in hearing your story, I don't know when you would have squeezed that in either. Yeah. I mean, you've had a... Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It would have been a, a period where I went, yeah, maybe I'm over that, yeah. you know. Um, maybe I should try this to keep, you know, the spice going and just want to keep doing it. Yep. But, you know, I, I just, I like doing it. I love the, the different people you meet. Um, you know, dirt bike people are good people in yep. a sense. And, you know, when I first, when I was not into dirt bikes, I mean, that was one of the things I was off the rails a little bit, hanging around with, you know, not exactly the right people. and KDM owners. <laughs> no, I didn't even know what KDM was back then. But then <laughs> when I started coming into it and I started meeting riders, and especially back then because I just became this guy who I thought was a, a good racer and I was bloody useless when I first started. But just that that thing about dirt bike and you get on it and it really doesn't matter how much money you got. It's like you can go and, you know, if you're good enough now, you can pretty much just go and buy a bike and go in the world championship and mm. if you're good enough mm. you can win it mm. there's not much you can do like that in motorsport so so yeah i just found it really real yep. and i mm. love the people and i was going man look at this this is a tough sport and it, it's all about putting in the effort and, and the, the enjoyment of yep. it but yeah sort of ended up like that yeah okay next Very question good. Uh, what is your opinion on what it's like to start Aussie riders off an enduro and to see how far it's come over the years to where they are now? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's pretty huge. Um, as I said, in the early days, we were riding as a team, but really we were, we were individual and everyone had their own little outlook and all I want to do is finish, all I want to do is get a silver medal or, you know, whatever. Um, so we were we were kind of nowhere on the on the on the big scale of the the champions and um and i really just thought australia will never be that because you know we don't have a, a competition that really goes through and trains us all for it obviously if we're in in europe you've got the world championships and then you can aspire to do that you can go in it if you can figure it out how the best way to get into that so you know we had our own passion we loved our enduros and sport and everything and we would you know, we would do our thing, and then um, John Hall started the four day to to sort of help train us up for the six day, which was genius. You right. know, it's the only country in the world that run more than three days. You know, mm. um, so it's a great event, and that's one reason I love the idea of it's you know resurrecting itself a bit more. And times have changed with COVID now, and it looks like it's going to become another thing. But mm. it is hard to run, mm. but. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, to to see us where we are where we are now is pretty bloody amazing. Um, what was the question again? Who who would be your <laughs> top couple of guys you've seen come through and then now dominating in the world scene? Um, yeah, like we've had a few. Um, oh, the yeah. first one was Merriman. Merriman, like, yeah. Merriman was the first one. Um, oh, sorry, no, um, Shane Watts was probably the first one so yeah you know Shane Watts was unreal and um and Merriman again he was you know he was classic and very very good and of course 
you know, Sanders to the last time he, you know, won. Now he's gone desert and stuff. But Milner is fantastic, and we've had we've had a number of you know strong riders, but they were the they were the most elite. Yeah. And um, which one has surprised yeah. you the most? Phillips. Yeah, probably Phillips. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That's cool. Yeah, Phillips was yeah, Phillips was amazing, and um, you know he went from uh, being this obviously talented kid and and Wildwood Rock. You know the yeah. way that happened was uh, Merriman rode the Wildwood Rock and he actually won it, but Phillips should have won it. So Merriman was like my scout in a way, in some ways. I would run stuff by him and go, "What do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy?" Anyway, I didn't go to that Wildwood Rock and and. Merriman won it, but he came back and typical Merriman, he goes, yeah, yeah, it was good I won. But he goes, I didn't really win. It was, it was Phillips who won, but he got penalised for coming into the pits the wrong way. Oh. And they penalised him like a minute or, so, I don't know, something. And, uh, and anyway, Merriman knew he was just some kid from Tassie and more of a motocrosser than anything. And he was chasing him and going, well, this kid's bloody good, you know. Mm. And then he goes, oh, this is really hard up here. Um, and I'll get him in all this really technical stuff because Merriman's come from world trials. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and he said, uh, Phillips just rode away and distanced him <laughs> in this hard stuff. Wow. Anyway, so Phillips would have won and he should have won. They just decided, you know, it was petty and they were going to penalise him. So he didn't gain any advantage, but they penalised mm-hmm. him. So he ended up second. But, yeah, uh, Merriman came back and said, mate, you need to get this guy. Yeah, like right. He's something else, you know. Shit. And so he hadn't really done enduros as such. Uh, anyway, we just talked to him and he was like, yeah, motocross, I'm getting a bit burnt out or something. And yeah, it sounds all right. And really, I can get a free bike and this <laughs> and that. So it kind of happened a bit that way. And then, um, you know, we just taught him what we could that we felt were going to help him a bit in the off-road and supported him as much as we could with everything from set up to what he needed in yeah. every way and uh he just started going and excelling and everything and he was the most awesome exciting to watch natural type of rider and wow it was also the hardest sort of um you know guy like if he was having a bad day you didn't go to dinner with Matty <laughs> <Trots, you know? laughs> whereas chris hollis you know he was the best in the country and riding for us a few years right. there and if he was the opposite so if he had a you know, he was expected to win because he was the best and then he'd have a bad day and finish sixth or something and you'd just go to dinner and you wouldn't even know he had a bad day. Yeah, know? right. So, but that's just told you kind of in deep down of Matty Phillips' head how much he mean to him, you know. Yeah, which is good. But yeah, yeah, he was hard. He was hardcore in many ways. Yeah, right. Mm. Oh, good question. Have you seen any guys that have come through that you thought you want to be the next... Like now? Shane Watts? Or, and they go, you just, what is it? Something hasn't clicked, you don't yeah. work hard enough or you just... Uh, well, I've seen someone who I thought potentially was going to get there, but yeah. he didn't get there, and that was um, Ben Burrell. Right. Um, he was he was awesome, yeah. and um, uh, yeah, he 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 got you know he went over and he did some rounds of the world championship, and we helped link up a few things, and 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 he was such a great guy, and such a he still is a great guy, mm. such a great rider. We thought he was really really close, mm. and um, and in the end. He just went, I haven't got it. Yeah, right. Know? And he loved farming, so he just went, no, nah, just, I'm just going to get into farming, and he was fine with it. It was, yeah, okay. it was cool. But, yeah, you know, he, he rode for, for factory KDM. He rode for us for a few years, and he won uh, 
He won in juniors. He went. We put him up early from juniors, and he and he won in the seniors. And he was pretty amazing. He was mm. like, yeah, this this kid's got, got everything it, yeah. it takes. But you know, that last one percent or half of one percent is the hardest. And yeah. plenty of guys, a number of guys, can get close to that. And that last bit's the tough one. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, another one. Uh, why do you fit and use forks from a TTR on every on everything you ride? Ah. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> you're right, you're right. But people, oh, I can talk a lot about this. Actually, even Ben Burrell, right? So the kid we we're just talking about. Yeah. So he was a pipsqueak when he came to riding for us. He was mm. riding a CRF one fifty, oh. and we went, "This kid's got a lot going for him," you know. So we go, "Well, we don't have a, we don't have mini bikes. We're not going to put him on a YZ eighty or no. anything." So I'm going, well, we, the smallest bike we could possibly put him on is a YZ125. Mm-hmm. But the kid was short, tiny, light, short, way too short for a YZ125. Mm. So I'd accidentally come across, you know, TDR just to muck around here on the farm and everything. And then Miles Davis was a mate of mine and he rode, rode pretty good and he rode a 360 Husky or something at the time. We had a moto track over there and I just decided for fun to go and chase him, try and chase him down on the TDR. Anyways, it feels like it's tied to a tree and power. It's gutless. <laughs> but in coming into corners, I was just going, why can I come into the corners so much faster mm. on this bike? I get so much front-wheel traction. Anyway, I ended up catching and passing on the thing, and it was a fun day, you know, but I was, it just really made me think, uh. you know. Anyway, so then the next thing, you know, a month or so later, we got Benny Burrell going to potentially ride for us. And the problem with a lot of these bikes that – the you know especially like a YZ125 the relationship between the sprung weight of the heavy part of the bike and the and the wheels being the unsprung and all that stuff is um, the unsprung weight is you know in relationship is a really strong part of the handling and and the wheels the weight of the wheels if you could halve the weight of the wheels the bike would handle so ma- amazing and you right. can't every it doesn't matter if it's a YZ125 front wheel it's the same weight wheel in every way as a yz450 mm. so that, that's as light as they can make the bikes the wheels without them falling apart yep. you know in the production sense so i was going one of the biggest problems flying through the trees is deflection and everything like that and here's this kid who is like a bloody match with the wood scraped off he doesn't weigh anything so <laughs> we're going how is this little you know harsh thing gonna how are we going to get him to go straight and go where he wants to go and see yeah. being deflected Bounce all the time. Yeah. So I said, look, this is just a hunch, but I've been riding this bike and this front end is quite amazing. So he's a really smart kid. Anyway, I said, here's his front end. You put it into the bike. You have to make sleeves up and stuff like that. And we lowered the back a bit because he was short. We put them in and he went home. He's got all these test tracks at home. His old man is on my old mechanic, so they all know how to do this shit. And... Um, Anyway, and he ran me back, GB, he goes, I like that front end. I go, okay, you sure you're not kidding yourself? Nah, back, you know, he's not lazy. He'd swap it back and forward and he'd do multiple. And he goes, every time I got the, the TDR fork in, I'm faster. Yeah. Every track. And I'm <coughs> going, wow, cool. So then we set him up and he went out and he started dominating the, the uh, juniors mm. at the AORCs type thing. Anyway, and so one thing led to another and then I was going... I wouldn't mind trying it, you yeah. know. So anyway, I set sprung it differently, and I, and I tried it, and it and this is on the Yamaha days, and I was probably on a WR four hundred and fifty or something, and it and it really, 
it was amazing. It was like, it's like I don't have to train anymore. It didn't wear you out, you know. And it, and it, everybody goes, oh, they must bottom really easy. And I go, no. Well, what makes you think that? What you can make a fork as hard as you want. You mm. can make it so it only goes halfway down if you really want to. So. You know, I, I think that flex is your friend a lot, mm. you know. Like I jump on a, a rigid front end and, and, you know, obviously we're trying to pick up the small stuff and not get deflected. So that thing is like the king of that. And it's wow. a cartridge fork. It's 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 way old technology, they're, but it's they're cartridge. They're not USD, are they? No, they're, they're not. They're not upside no. down, no. No, no, no. they're conventional. Yeah. So, you know, like conventional, I've talked to a lot of suspension. Obviously, I've been involved with Yamaha overseas and mm. Kayaba and different people. I've talked to different people about it. And they go, yeah, look, uh, um, conventional has such a, a good, you know, form of, uh, it, you know, in itself. It doesn't, it's not like uh, with the chrome, with the uh, alloy tubes going up into the triple clamps, if you have any deflection there or, or bending, because they all bend, believe it or not, at the bottom of the triple clamp, the, the chrome tube doesn't want to go through because it's like having a straw and pushing the pencil through it. You put a slightest kink in, it doesn't want to happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you go to conventional, it pivots from under the bottom triple clamp. So it doesn't matter how hard you hit anything, it doesn't affect, it oh, doesn't right. make a stiffness to it. Right. So it has some merit in that sense. I'm not saying it's absolutely the be all and end all, but it's transformed bikes. It it does not wear you out. Like I won so many championships, so did Jess Gardner, and so did Ben with that with, with those that forks, you know, and people are taking a piss out of me and go, hey, have you tried it? You know, yeah. and no one has, no. you know, and it was kind of funny. You could go to a four-day and you win and, you, and uh, these other old farts are going, what, he's lost his marbles. And I'm going, <laughs> mate, for not much money, you can put one of these in and try it. At least mm. I've tried yeah. it. I've got... Uh, I've got cone valve forks yeah. and I've got, they're probably right in front of you there. You're probably nearly pushing it. They sit there on the floor here, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, twin, uh, twin chamber, is it? <laughs> anyway, KDM made all these different forks. I'm trying I'm trying air forks. I, I try all sorts of stuff. I oh, know, not the TDR ones. Oh, there, there should be under there, there should be cone valve and all that. I've got cone valves. People are going, why are you using it? I go, well, I've tried them all. Like, if you haven't tried them, you can't really comment. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway... They do transform, transform certain bikes, you know, bikes that have a real harshness problem in the front, you can do it. Sometimes they steer better, the axle sits a little different place, but, you know, they're, they're pretty decent. And it's so it crazy, is funny, eh? it drives people nuts. It's yeah. quite funny, and, and Australia's got a real ego problem, so they're going, no, whatever is the trickest and latest, and yeah, however yeah, many yeah. things yeah. you can say. Cone valves, 52s. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've got to pay around. this and that. And, and as I said, I talked to the Kaaba guys, and... Uh, we were in America at the time doing stuff for Yamaha, and they and and they'd seen my bike, and they said, "What's what's going on? Why are you doing that?" And I said, "Oh yeah, I like it. You know, it doesn't wear me out, and I can not train and just still finish <laughs> races and just go whatever." It, 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 there's a lot of things that are good about them. Anyway, they said, um, "Yeah, you know," they said in their opinion, probably one of the best forks, if not the best fork in many ways, was the um, Olin's conventional fork. Mm. You know, and they said, look, it's, it's it's such a fickle game. People, they put stuff, and I've been involved in meetings with Yamaha where they go, you know, wave disc, you know, we tried it, wave, solid, I mean, round, you know, and we go, no, no one, there's testers from all over the world at the same time, you know, like four or five of us, and everyone's going, no, no, didn't notice any difference. And they go, fine, so we'll run wave because people expect wave. They like the look of it, so they're just doing oh, it. Yeah, right, so it's right. like there's such a, a thing there with what people w think they want. But if they, if KDM or WP or whatever came out and said, righto, 
we believe in conventional again, and they come up with something that looks trick and it's, mm. you know, yeah, shiny yeah. anodized. Everyone would want it. And they put it on guys and they start winning in Erzberg or in bloody anything, you know, mm. World Enduro. You know, they'd all be going, oh, have you seen the latest fork? And then the next year's got this fork. It's just, <laughs> it's just the way it works. You yeah, know? It's, just, it's just branding, isn't it? Just rebranding it. And the underhang is really nothing. The early shower forks, yeah. which were really good, they were the first, 86 was the first cartridge fork ever made and, and Honda just smashed them. Mm -hmm. It was the best fork by far. And it, yeah, it did drag in the ruts a little bit. Right. But when everyone's got them, that drag is gone because everyone's clearing out yeah, the ruts, true. you know. Yeah, so it's right. only more of a trouble when you ride uh, a lot of underhang when no one else no has one else it. Has but got the, it. the TDR has a very small underhang yeah, compared right. to the Honda. It's got more, but it's actually narrow at the bottom and it hardly hits anything. Mm. No matter, it, like the ruts over the road here and around the forest here are full on. Yeah. And if you ride in there, you, you don't notice anything. Yeah, right. So, yeah. All right. Uh, after this podcast, everyone's going out and buying TDR. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go and buy them all before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're going to go up. Just going, you got a couple of weeks. So, yeah, go yeah, yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, we've got, this was like, episode four. You've got at least four weeks before this one comes out. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, next question. Uh, I'd like to know what he thinks of and where he sees the future of Australia's enduro and hard enduro series mm. scenes it, it, look enduro is hard to run because it's uh, like as it will say the four day yep. you know so it requires more land and more people mm -hmm. so that's one of the biggest problems and obviously yep. it's not easy to get either of those so mm, don't know but um you know the beauty of the aorc series which um Actually, Andy Wigan had a lot to do with the success. Yeah. You know, we asked, you asked me before about yeah. why are we going better now. Andy Wigan actually had a bit to do with that. And I fought him on it initially, but he was right. Yeah. So he was going, we need to have this national AORC series, you know, so it's national. Mm. And I'm going, man, people can't afford to travel. Australia's such a big place. We've got such a big population. It's going to be too hard. He's going, no, no, no. And that really did help up us where we yeah, okay. genuinely were racing you know the best vics in queensland yep. and and new south wales and south australia whatever if they were keen enough and they lived in wo they'd come and mm. do some you mm. know so it, it, the competition helps just keep breeding it faster and faster yep. and that's why the swedes and the Finns were all so good there was just a solid thing we didn't have that yeah and and uh anyway he was adb at the time editor and he goes i'm going to push and promote and to do that and and if they run it so so yeah, that's um, one of the ways that it progressed and and got forward. So the the enduros um, are great, and you know we're always hoping a club will find an area, find a way of running it. It may get to the point where you got to find some big properties and yeah. you know have them off. But anyway, next year it's happening, and it'll be great if it could continue. But it is hard, like yep. that's mm. for sure. You know, AORC is hard enough to find enough land um all that sort of stuff um so yeah enduros is is um something that's we cherish it while we've still got it what what was the Do other thing you uh, or enduro and hard enduro like where yeah look hard enduro is just <coughs> smashing it and and you know as much as it sounds a bit weird it's like it's it's not loam town it's not it's not pristine mm. cattle it's it's full of it's like wildwood rock it's mm. full of rocks and thistles that farmer or that landowner doesn't value that land yeah, as well. absolutely. And we want it horrible. We want it hard. And they go, yeah, hey, you're going to have the back paddock, you know. Yeah. And that might be a 1,000 acres or something. So, yeah, it's uh, it's 
possibly got a good future with that because there's you know farmers cherish their land they don't you know it takes a lot to say hey can we just make all these grass tracks in your paddocks and then they go nah and they go what about that hill over there oh yeah we don't even use yeah, it yeah and that's that's, that's, ex- country. that's yeah. exactly what it is because you go to these events and they may sacrifice one paddock for parking compared to you know 40 yes. paddocks for us to do our enduro yeah. and then all of a sudden they say oh we just want that 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 hilly shit at the behind your paddock and they're like yeah whatever I don't give yeah if you want to go no up one, there, yeah. no one's ever got up that yeah hill. yeah yeah and you're right <laughs> i think that's that's exactly what keeps yeah. farmers going and then it also then helps towns as well because you're yes. not ruining you're not ruining the land but you're also bringing money into a town so yes i mean you look at kosciuszko and all these other great events they they run because yeah that we we used the back part of their property that they never go up to. They just hunt up there and, and that's it. Yeah, well, I met the owners. Of <laughs> oh, the, oh, they're oh, awesome, they're aren't they? So, and then the next oh. day I was in... You know, one thing, one funny thing there too was the next day I stayed the night in the camper and then went up the road, got a coffee in, and I met that lady who's the, the owner of the property. Yep. You know, and um, then I met a guy who 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 turned up. He parked his... And I go, oh, he's a guy. I've ridden the event, you know, and... Uh, he came up and he was like, he was out of it. But this was his first enduro, hard enduro. And he hadn't done stuff for a while. And he just went, oh, I'm going to go and do this. And he he thought that enduro didn't exist anymore. And now it had morphed oh, itself wow. into only hard enduro. And, yeah, I, right. and, I, and I met a few people who didn't, They, you know, I said, you know, Daniel Miller, who? I go, are you kidding? It's like, this dude's unreal. And, and they were like, somehow they they'd heard about hard enduro and they didn't even know you could even do a cross country anymore or an enduro anymore or a or a sprint series anymore you know um wow yeah yeah it was it was classic i was really surprised by talking to some of the people down there and um yeah it was really it was funny yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was just before or after race after he hit his head a few times and kind of forgot his name and. Oh, he was. He said, "No, nah, no way, I'm not doing that anymore." He goes, <laughs> "You know, he didn't get to the first check." No, and I, think, I mean, yeah, it was. It was a bit of a. I think for someone's first race, it was definitely not the event to go to. It was uh, way like as uh, everyone said, bronze turned into a silver loop, silver turned yeah. into a gold loop, and a gold turned into get out of here, you're not going to finish kind of yeah. thing. So. I think it was a hard one, but it was a, it's oh, definitely yeah. cool for you to, to you to go along. But then, what about like Transmodos? Yeah, that, they've nailed it a bit with race with your mates. You know, um, yeah. it's um, you know I was losing interest in advance, and um, I was like, yeah, this one maybe or that one. You know, certainly not racing like I used to. And then uh, it's funny. Uh, there's something really good about it, even if it's dusty. You, you you're just going, yeah, you know you. It's not it, it. You know, obviously, there's there's some teams there want to win it, and then yeah. even when we go, you know, we go right in the wise wizards, and I got Wonka on the team, and Maddie Dimmick, or you know, Damien Smith, and um, and we've you know we've won every round we've been in in the wise wizards, which is the funny. It's a cumulative <laughs> age, you know. You, yeah. If you got four eyes, you have to be over two hundred years old between you, <laughs> and you got three eyes, you have to be over one hundred fifty. You know, yeah. so. We don't care if it's a whatever eight hour or even twelve, you know, and um, and it's funny because I'm sixty three now. Mm. So you know, um, Benny Bunda talked to me and said, "Hey, I want you to ride in this thing in this twelve hour." And I go, "Nah, mate, bit dust bowl, bit shit," you know. And he goes, "Come on, please." He goes, "If you ride, because I'm sixty three, that oh, means wait. someone else can be younger because <laughs> it's cumulative." I'm going, "Oh, he's going. We need you." And I go, "No, all right." 
I said, I'll ride as long as you promise you you don't get too serious. And if it's shit, we're just going <laughs> to drink beer and watch, you know. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got out there and, I, and it was dusty and I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And I rode, I reckon, twice as much as anyone, <laughs> did the most laps. I went, something about it. Yeah. It's just good. So yeah. a lot of it's to do with this, you know, I mean, everything. We do riding hard, enduro, riding, adventure. It's, it's pretty much just riding with your mates and yeah, trying to have a good time. But the racing side of it works for that. For I sure. guess that's what Transmoto is good, though, because you can either make it a race or you don't make it a race kind of thing. You can, yeah. You can have it as a mate. It's like yeah. hard enduro, AIC, local club race. Yeah. It's like it is a bit of a race because yeah. you still got to get to the end yeah. and do it. With Transmoto's, good Lord, like we've gone to a Transmoto with, a, with an ag bike. Yeah, and then laps yeah. on that thing like it's yeah. just a, it's just, just a laugh. A, yeah. Well, we, my son, uh, when we had the shop in Penrith, he got you know some of the guys from work and a couple of mates too, I think, and they went to the twelve hour and it was pretty hot. Mm. And I, I think I rode my adventure bike down there. And I went to find him in the pits. Go, where are they? And anyway, I couldn't find anyone in the pits. So I went and asked. And I go, I don't know where they are. And then uh, anyway, one guy goes, mate, they're all over there in the river. Mm. And so. The four of them were all just having a swim. Yeah. Just having, and I go, what about the, oh, yeah, well, when we, we might have them do another <laughs> lap or two, you know. <laughs> that's, but that's by the, the time part. you get to the eight-hour mark, it can be a lot like that. Yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah. the teams that want to go well and all that. But, you know, it, it's got something about it that nailed it, and it's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, next question. Oh, the big ones. Uh, favorite race? Favorite race or event that you've ever been to? I know, that's big. That's yeah, a big one. Yeah. Do you want to come back to that one? Or do you oh, you know, I don't really have favourites. I don't think six days were always great. But there was a race in America called the Blackwater 100. Um, and it used to, you know, before, um, you know, bloody internet, we used to live by magazines and everything. And yeah. this Blackwater 100 was probably one of the most famous races in America. And it was... Uh, anyway, it was just in the these swamp areas of bloody, you know, eastern America, you know, southeast. Anyway, I just have, remember reading articles and articles on it and I go, I want to ride it. And the first year I was in America with Can-Am, was 84, and I it wasn't a part of our contracts or nationals or anything where you got paid. I yeah. just wanted to ride it. And uh, <coughs> I said... To Jeff Smith, oh, I'm going to go and ride that. And he goes, no, you're not. I go, why not? And he goes, it's a bike wrecker. And, you know, like as far as he was concerned, I could have hurt, I could have hurt myself in yeah, it. Right. Anyway, he just said, no, you can't do it. And I, I go, damn it. Anyway, I really wanted to ride <laughs> it. So the next year, I just didn't ask him because yeah. I, did I just did it, you know. And um, and it was a funny race, but I really loved it. Yeah. And the Coombs family, you know, is such a strong family. They run all sorts of stuff, all the gnccs now and i know that family pretty well anyway they were running it and it was it was such a huge race and it was controlled so much by the crowds and it was all this it was nuts it was really the crowds went in they all bought their own big plastic um like garbage bags and they got into all of these rivers and it's all pebbles and they would build they would dam them up with plastic bags and pebbles and make the water height so much higher <laughs> and they have all these massive muddy banks and they would be throwing they'd bring their own buckets and throw water over oh awesome it was out of control that's, that's awesome and that's it was a really really hard race i didn't think it was going to be as hard so i rode it with um like in a fun theme you know i thought yeah cool i just want to ride this and i had a my stepdaughter had a little uh, koala bear backpack <laughs> and I put it on the back and I put spare goggles and gloves in it and I put goggles on the 
on the koala and I and it weighed nothing. I didn't even know it was there. And the amount of people pointing and everything, and I kept, what are they pointing at? And then I realised <laughs> they had this thing on there. But anyway, it was a crazy race and it went on. It's so wide in the bottom of these valleys. There's all these different lines. You could be hundreds of metres away from another guy going right. the same direction. But anyway, I got a, I don't know, I worked my way through and I, and I actually thought, yeah, I, I knew, like I got a good start or something and I think I was about fifth, so I, I just counted as I went and I went, I'm, I'm leading this thing, mm. you know. And so I was I was trying so hard and there were so many things that got me stuck. I got bogged a heap of times and anyway, I was going and going and going. And um, anyway, I thought I won it, but I didn't. I got second. Yeah, right. So a guy actually passed me without me even knowing on the other side of the valley. The guy <laughs> who'd won it before, guy Mark Hyde. And... Uh, so I crossed the line, been so excited because they had oh, an awesome trophy no. and everything. And I was like, yes, I can't believe I won it. And then Gene goes, you didn't win it. You got second. I go, what? And you go, yeah, Mark, I'd finished just, you know, 20 seconds ago. Oh, and there no. he is over there. And Anyway, it, uh, it, besides the fact I didn't win it, it was an awesome like event. an awesome event. And yeah. I ticked it off. I really wanted to do it. And then Jeff Smith, my boss, was like, he was pretty happy because I didn't wreck the bike. I didn't hurt, <laughs> wreck yourself. Didn't hurt myself. So <laughs> the koala like, came yeah, out right. all right. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Next question. Oh, it's too I locked this up. Rookies. Rookies. Uh, do you train off the bike or has it, have you ever trained off the bike? Uh, yeah, when I was younger, but yeah, no. Not now? No, no. And what did you do to I've train off been, the I've bike? I've never been to a gym in my life, so I've oh. never done that. I mean, in the early days, I used to run. And uh, I used to do a lot of running when I was younger and we had all these little exercises, you know, we did basic sort of stuff. There wasn't the education in it a lot mm. too, you know. So, yeah, basically I don't do anything much at all except ride and try and eat pretty well. Yeah. Well, we did. We had a, we had a great lunch. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. very healthy. But I also got a style, I think, that helps. I don't use as much energy as a lot of people. They all go, I can't believe you can just keep riding and riding and riding. Even on moto, I can kind of ride quite a bit hmm. and uh don't seem to use the energy a lot of people or something yeah okay. something's like that's maybe helping yeah right now i have like 50 questions these are questions by the way i'll try and be quick then we're going to try get what do you think it is that enables australians to develop so many world-class off-road um riders and champions uh for a relatively small country we've kind of answered that yeah, yeah. Well, i mean we've yeah, just got, the, got space, the best terrain and then there seems to be so many clubs and little groups that can go riding with. So yep, that's pretty, pretty much. much your answer. Yep. Cool. Um, uh, advent, um, how is adventure riding and uh, adventure riding and how it looks to be increasing in popularity? Uh, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a good outlet. It's getting harder to use some land and all that sort of stuff. So you can live in Sydney and, and it all looks good. And as we said before, you know, there's most of us have, Traveled a lot of Australia, but on the boring bits, the mm. Hume highways and stuff mm. to go to here and there. So it's been educated to people that way and adventure mags and everything. They go, that's pretty cool. And mm. then again, you hang out with your mates, you go somewhere and you stay, you know. So it's it's something you can load up. You don't have to load up a van, but you can just ride from home. And yeah. it makes sense to yeah. me that it's taking off yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on hard enduro as it's so far away from traditional card enduro, special tests, tests, et cetera, um, that you started way back in the 70s? What do you think in regards to that? Like not having those you know, time cards and the same kind of stuff yeah. like that? Uh, I think it's good. It's just, uh, it's, 
you know, to me, it makes sense for the land use and, uh, and the challenges. And it's amazing. You know, we couldn't even imagine yeah. back then you can go over this stuff. But it's technique and it's like this thing that's come across a bit from trials and just understanding it and practicing it and getting better and better and seeing that from the outside is interesting. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's great. I, I love to see it. I think it's got a future because there's, there's land available for that stuff. Well, absolutely. I think if you look at – let's just go back to Kosciuszko where you're at – People DNF'd from time eight hours or six hours or whatever it was, and they got eight kilometers. Yeah, you know, like I know it's nuts. It like really is. People, nuts. The, the whole course was like I think sixteen, maybe I can't remember off the top of my head now, but people yeah, something like that. Yeah. People could not make it past eight k's mm. in yeah. six eight hours. That's yeah. crazy, especially from your time where you're thinking, you know, you're saying enduro, you need like two thousand acres to be able to run yeah. multiple tests yeah, and do a yeah. hundred and something k's in a day. We're struggling to do twenty k's in eight hours. That's right. So yeah. those, those things help it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the the understanding of how you can do some of this stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, a lot more skill-based. But also I think you, we said it before that it can slow it down. You don't have guys whipping through the forest as quick. So, you know, yeah. it definitely makes it a little easier. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on the big players like KTM moving away from the Enduro GP scene? Internationally, how do you think this will affect traditional Enduro? Yeah, okay. It's a big um, one. Yeah, look, I don't know. I guess ultimately they're it. smart, but in a way I feel like they're they're lacking support in some of those ways, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I don't like the fact that they obviously still sell a lot of bikes. Um, I like the fact that the some of the smaller ones are having a go and getting in there and, and producing good things, mm. good bikes, oh, yeah. you know, mm. like from TM to Beta to Shergo. I like the... I like the competitiveness you know some ways i feel like they're taking us for a ride like they're going what how much can we get away with on Mm -hmm. price and everything and if you're dominating that obviously yamaha is big and they're 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 having a go too i mean you know they're there which is good because imagine if they weren't like Mm. they you know so i like to see um the other guys coming in and challenging them i mean you know the KDM Husky Gas Gas thing. They make, they produce great bikes, no doubt about it. But come on, it's like I think they're pushing it a bit hard sometimes. And then I like that's why I like seeing the the small guys come in and challenge them. And and I like seeing guys do, ride them. Mm. You know, well absolutely. I think everyone was really surprised when Milner went onto a Fantic. You know, yeah. that was that was everyone was kind of like, what? what what's Fantic? Yeah, there's just so many brands out there. That people don't know because they're pop- yeah. they're, ma- they're not huge in Europe, but they're there. And yeah. Beta was the same. Beta came over, and I mean that was like, <coughs> like seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And people were like, "Oh, Beta, this is a new yeah. brand." Well, no, Beta have been. Oh around no, for it's around. Same with Fantic. Yeah, you know, Fantic have um, been around forever. Bazzoni won. Uh, Bazzoni won the six yep. day outright on a one two five Fantic yeah. one year. You know, it's so Fantic's been around forever. There's that. That's a typical small Italian company that crops up everywhere and, and it's just it's just that ktm kind of husky yamaha kind of saturation yeah. in the enduro scene um that kind of take you away from these other brands but then you go and try these other brands and you know i'm converted to a beta i, I love the beaters i mean okay. you, you have a you have a cross trainer here that's um that you you enjoy riding i mean there's just so many brands out there i think people just yeah. kind of get lost in the yeah, KTM yeah. crowd but i love yeah, yeah, you love I mean, all I love, yeah, I love KDMs. KDMs. I rode a, I rode a Husky on the weekend. I thought that's a great little bike. Yeah, yeah. I think so they're good. The they, I just feel like we've been taken for a ride a little bit. I yeah. don't want like that too much. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, okay. Do you think Honda will ever get back into the enduro scene seriously? Uh, I don't know, but if they do, then it could be something, something else. So 
Honda's one of those companies that if they really want to do it, they're going to produce something unreal. Oh, so, yeah. You know, Yamaha and Honda were rivals for years. Initially, uh, Honda had the best metallurgy, I suppose, back in the day and a lot of great design and mm. everything. And then the others were behind the eight ball and, and Yamaha started proving they were right up there and just, you know, they... They obviously produce a really reliable, good, strong product. So, you know, they're the two main guys who seem to be able to mm. make stuff last mm. the longest. And, you know, it seems to be not only that, in other refinement too that makes them who they are and where they're in the world, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, Yamaha and Honda, they were the bikes you think about back... Well, I mean, I was desert back in the day because that was so, what we yeah. were in Perth and you'd think Honda and Yamaha and then obviously things have moved around a little bit and KDM, but no, so... Yeah, let's let's hope the Honda does mm. come back because uh, they have they have great motocross bikes. They I mean, they oh, really yeah, excel yeah. there. So. Of course, yeah. And they've and they've got an enduro bike, but they're just not. And they're trying hard in Dakar, like big time. Oh, they got a lot yeah. of money, you know. Yeah. So if they want to do it, they'll they'll have a go and they'll mm. do it. Uh, okay. Uh, last question, last one, which is good because we're like three quarters of an hour in again. Um, there is an 80, 80s six-day picture that was cartooned onto a gone riding catalogue where you're holding the bars and legs up in the air. It's a pretty notable picture. Can you... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a six-day picture. It's not a six-day? No. Parker? No. Yep. File? No, Fail it's... Um, <clears throat> it's... It's, on the wall uh, it's, <laughs> K, it's 83, so it's a KX500. Yep. And uh, it's it's the one you see on the catalog, yeah, right? Yeah. Like legs yeah, it's, in the it's air. It's the current like, catalog, or yeah, we're yeah. working on the new the cartoon one. Come out, yeah. It's cartooned, but it's off a it's off a photo that actually is what happened. You yeah, know? and that's you, obviously, Alex. Yeah, yeah, Alex. It no, is that me. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is me. <laughs> um, it, it's up in um, Cape York. Oh, and what? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's in Cape York. It's got the sea in the background. And we were just up there doing a trip to the tip or something and we rode along a beach and there was a plane that had, you know, I think it was a drug plane and the tide, you know, had landed on the hard sand and the tide had gone through and blah, blah, blah. So we were hanging around this area and then there was this massive hill coming off the beach up into grasslandy sort of stuff. <coughs> anyway, they decided they were going to have a hill, hill, um, hill climb <laughs> competition and I went... Damn it! I'm going to win this thing. You know? <laughs> anyway, it wasn't that hard to get up it, so it was like how fast you could go in the end. Mm. I had a good line. Anyway, I was flying up it, and they were going. Some dude saw this rock up there. This is the story I heard. And he goes, "Do another one," and and I was just flying up there, and of course, I hit this rock one oh, time, no. and I just did this big flying W. <laughs> and I we were casual because we were only mucking around trail riding. You know, we're a bum bag. Usually pack it pretty well. I was I put it full can of chain lube in my bum bag it was just a soft bum bag anyway i landed on my you know crash and ran on my back and hurt my back a bit with a can of like a concertina the chain lube you know so i was like shit i'm feeling sorry for myself i was all right but i was a bit hurt and everybody's riding back to the camp and it all just kept going along from there you know i was i was the last guy and there was someone had well i thought i was the last guy and then some guy came up behind me and I'm going past, I'm sort of signaling, just go past me, I'm going so slow, damn it, go away. And it was like two tracks from four-wheel drives. And um, anyway, he finally decided to come past me and then as I look ahead, there was a tree down and a, and a four-wheel drive guy maybe cut it off and I had to get more into the right-hand track to miss it. And then I went to go to the right-hand track and he was in my way then and then I got punched off the 
oh, back Jesus. of the bike. Oh. In the tree. I was like, oh man, I'm in the wars today. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Jen thinks it's funny because it was a trip to the tip. I doubled her up there. Oh wow! On a KX500. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So that was a funny trip in itself. That's and then. Awesome. Um, and then I hurt, you know, like I double the way up and we, I had two little makeshift uh, foot pegs for her and one fell off in about three kilometres. <laughs> and she was whinging, I'm going, come on, whatever, it's not that bad, but, you know. Anyway, so all the way up, that happened, we're on the way back and I think I, you know, broke some ribs or something. I was I was not good, you know. Anyway, I said, oh man, you, you right, we're on a bauxite kind of a road. And so I got on the back for like, two minutes and I, my legs was killing me because I only had one thing and I'm, yeah, anyway, reaching over, trying to get her to accelerate and go fast because this is painful, you know. Anyway, it didn't last long and I swapped around again. She's always taking the piss out of me going, <laughs> you lasted like two minutes and I sat on there. It was three days up and three days back, <laughs> you know. <laughs> on a KX then, 500, yeah, that oh. is just brilliant. Oh, nobody would do that nowadays, you no, know what I'm saying? No, I mean, We rode through the Jardine River or we had, to, oh, really? we had a competition to get across the Jardine. And that was funny, and I thought I was going to win it. And I put my, I lowered the forks, I tightened the steering head, and I put the forks out of the top triple clamps only into the bottom triple clamp. So it made the bike super high. high. Yeah. Tightened the steering head so you could turn it slightly, because you're only trying to go across a river, you know. <laughs> and I put it, took out the uni track and got a big stick, and, and, and I took the seat off because the whole thing was so high, trying to get the airbox up yeah. out of the water. But the pulses of the KX500 was so big, even trying to go slow, it just dug a hole in the sand and the right. bottom and I, I was useless. Go on a XR200, I think, won it. <laughs> but anyway, so then we all put sticks through the wheels and we carried them to the other side. And all what that. a was mission. It, it what was a awesome. story. Yeah, yeah that's great. brilliant. Loved it. <laughs> KX500 to the Cape. All right, I think someone's going to have to do that now. I mean, that's going to be like the next challenge. If you want to really, if you want to prove your riding skills, take a KX500. <laughs> and cross the, the Jardine. While having yeah. someone on the back with only one foot peg, then yeah. you then you can call yourself a rider. <laughs> oh, look, uh, man, I can't believe how long we've taken of your time. Thank you so much, my friend. Oh, pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, Alex, awesome. do you remember the three questions before we go? The Brito Trio. Brito Trio. Well, the thing I was thinking about on the way up, we do. Go. Three questions we ask most guests. Hadn't done it for a while. No. Biggest, biggest crash. Or most embarrassing crash. Uh, most embarrassing crash. Um, 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 yeah, I rode the Daytona Supercross once and... And I uh, ran over my own face, so it was <laughs> I, uh, I attempted a bit of a double, and I went. You know how you see people fall right over the bars, yeah. and they're bending the front mudguard. Yeah. So I was bending the front mudguard down, and then I hit the tire, and it grabbed my shirt, and it like flipped me in front of the bike. <laughs> it was only so slow by the end, and it ran over my own face, and I had a. It shocked me, and. And Jen was nearby over there and must have looked so funny. And that was, that destroyed me because I was like, I was wanting, I had a bleeding nose and everything. I look over there and they couldn't even stand up. They were laughing that much. So I was going, that freaking hurt. <laughs> anyway, that was embarrassing. That one. That's a good one. Running over your own face. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a hard one perhaps to answer having seen what you've done. But a golden ticket, if there was one event that you haven't done that you'd mm. like to do, fully funded. It doesn't have to be bikes. It could be really yeah, anything. Yeah, it could be anything. But something. Is there one event you'd like to do? As you said, I've, most of them, I, if I really want to do it, I try. You've and done do it, it, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Even um, outside motorcycles. Hmm. Motorcycles is all I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. ignorant to everything else. But um, 
you know, the the roof of Africa was one I wished I'd have done back yeah. in the day, you know. Yeah. So mm. that sounded pretty cool yeah. to me, yeah. you know, and I, I've never been to South Africa. I've been most places, so, you know, yeah, that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. there we go. <coughs> Art Enduro. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well. And the final one is, do you, are you a listener of music? Do you listen to stuff to pump you up before a race or did you listen to stuff before to pump you up or an equally calm you um, down? That's a funny question to me and all my mates like Stewie Morgan that we were talking to before. I I never went through the normal thing and I never really, you know, I was so focused on what I wanted to do as a, as a teenager and going overseas yeah. and everything and <clears throat> never had a girlfriend, never had a car, um, never listened to music. Okay. Didn't know, you know, obviously I know if they said the Beatles, I go, oh, yeah, yeah cool, whatever. But I've heard of them and I, it's background stuff, but I could drive from here to Perth on my own and never have the radio on. Didn't, yeah, right. didn't worry me at all. And it freaked out all of my mates who were into music. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going, are you serious? I'm going, well, I've got plenty of things to think about in my own head, you know. Yeah. Anyway, when I started riding adventure bikes, which was 2004, one of the, the guys, they, they said, oh, you know, you can have this music. And, and I was thinking, oh, that would be a distraction. But I just started listening to music in my helmet. It was great. And it didn't distract and if I really had to concentrate, you just couldn't hear it. Mm. And so kind of gradually ever since then, and, you know, if you guys weren't here, I'd be listening to music. So, okay. yeah, you know, but I'm not, I don't, I just like music. And and being at MX Store, they they pump it out down the bottom where they pack and they have such a, you know, from headbanging and all that, which is not me. In the end, I just go, yeah, cool. I just like it all. Yeah, okay. Don't care. Yeah. Wow, it's cool. You find music in the later of your life. That's awesome. Yeah. Adventure yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, look, that's it. We are. I mean, we actually. It's not it. There's so much more we could talk about, but I think we're gonna leave it there before we all just fall asleep. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's been one of those things. Uh, Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much. The the biggest thing that we've found from when we ask people or we're telling people that we're gonna that we're talking to you is most people just want to say thank you. Like thank you for what you've done for the sport, not in like just for ballads off road, but like getting all these riders that you've got on your wall to where they are now like it's just been a huge thing that you know wow. these these aren't professionals cool. these are just regular dudes that i've known or like we've we've talked to and yeah me too yeah. and they just say thank you for for wow. what you do for the That's sport awesome thanks guys no i think uh, i think you really uh have changed the outlook of australian sports because you're right we, we have amazing talent out there we've had heaps of yeah. it come through but and it's not it's not against the the riders but they kind of have their moment they do their thing and then they kind of just go off and to do their own kind of life, you know. Yeah. You've been, you've lucky, done it. Very and lucky too. Yeah, yeah, and you're still pushing the sport even now, you know, yeah. and that's yeah, a huge oh, thing. Thanks, guys. That's great. Thanks for saying it. No, it's awesome. Pleasure. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll keep buying your stuff because it's awesome. And <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, Alex, for, for coming. Pleasure, thanks, mate. Alex. Cheers. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers, mate.